Hello and welcome to the Wildcard Rewind. My name is Hannah and I'll be your host for this evening. Week 13 is pretty much in the books now and things are really starting to hot up for both the NFL and the fantasy playoffs. We've got loads to dig into, so let's get going. I just want to rewind when we were young There's just two of us this evening, the best two of the Rewind squad. So it's just Lewis and I this evening. Good evening, Lewis. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. Uh, it is a shame not to have a, a, a big shouty Welsh voice with us as well. Um, but it does make for a sort of quieter, more analytical show this week, I'd say. Um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a weird and interesting... Exactly, exactly. Now, Lewis, I did... We're having an interesting issue with Lewis's internet. I think it's, I don't know if it's me or if it's Lewis. Lewis, are you back? I can hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. It's a good start to no, the show, isn't it? he doesn't it? seem to be. Well, I was thinking about doing a little rhyme this evening, but after Lewis's amazing rhyme last week, I decided that I couldn't possibly match him anymore. So I was going back to being boring. Um, Lewis is just way too good at rhyming and things like that. So I'm sorry, everybody. I didn't have an amazing rhyme like Lewis did, unfortunately. I can now, freestyle one if you want. I think, I'm, I I think back. I'm back. Oh, he's back. He's back. Right, go on then. Give us a freestyle. I did think about putting together a rap, but then I decided that was way too much effort and I was going way too far. <laughs> mm, I'm trying to think. Uh, I normally put it together while I'm like waiting for Paul to join. Um, but I'm not sure whether or not I can do it necessarily on the fly uh, and trying to think what, what rhymes with Tyreek Hill. Um, bills. Yeah, <laughs> okay, bills. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm not very to be honest, I'm not very rhyming, not very good at rhymes. So I don't think that I'm the person to continue this one on. But Lewis, you're gonna have to continue at the helm with the great rhymes when you are hosting. I think Paul let us down a few weeks ago, so I'm just gonna be the next let down and leave it leave it to you to a, rhyme for us. It's a nice little treat every three weeks that people get the rhyming intro and we'll and, and, and we'll keep it to that as much as possible. Sorry that my internet's really in and out. No, don't worry, these things happen, don't they? It's been bad weather here in the UK and uh, it affects everything, doesn't it? But the great news, Lewis, is that week 14 is actually the last week of buys coming up. So there's only two teams on buys this week, the Cardinals and the Commanders. There are a couple of fantasy relevant players in there, but really nowhere near as bad as week 13, where basically we lost a lot of the really great players. So uh, I think we should hopefully cope with that. Should we chat about some big news of the week? Yeah, talking about like players that we've lost. It was a big one again this week, wasn't it? Oh, it was terrible. A whole swathe of new injuries this week. Like, I feel like this whole season we've been talking about 
how many injuries there's been. And then the last couple of weeks, I was like, oh, I feel much better. Things have improved. And then this week came and we had Brian Robinson leaving with a hamstring, Ramondre leaving with an ankle injury, Tank Dell fracturing his fibula, not even catching a ball, crying about that one. Yeah. Kenny Pickett with an ankle injury that had surgery today. Derek Carr with a concussion and a wrist injury. Derek Henry with a concussion, although Mike Rabel says he's not in the concussion pr protocol at the moment. Zach Charbonnet with a knee, which I'm not quite sure how bad that one is at the moment. Amari Cooper with a concussion. Christian Watson going out with his hamstring again. And Tyler Higby in a concussion. So, I mean, look, Lewis, I don't even know where we start. And there were actually some more kind of injuries where players went on and off the field. So I haven't mentioned those because I would hopefully that means that they're not kind of ongoing ones. But based on kind of a few of these, what injuries are you most concerned about and which players do you think ultimately then will benefit from a fancy point of view, seeing those bigger roles and potentially having more fancy relevance for our teams? Yeah, I just want to touch very quickly on Christian Watson for a second. Um, it just kind of speaks to his entire career, doesn't it? That he caught two touchdowns and then left with a hamstring injury. That's kind of a summary of everything. Um, I'm kind of into Jaden Reed and Romeo Dubs, but like it's impossible to know with Dontarian Wicks as well. Like you can't, you just can't know who the Packers are going to throw to in any given week. Um, so I wouldn't really feel confident in predicting anyone there. Um, but it's just such a shame because, you know, he had an incredible night and then left injured. Um, the big one this week is Tank Dell. Like, that's really been kind of a fancy darling uh, in, in Dynasty Leagues. You might have got him in your third round. I know I did quite a few places. And he's now absolutely exploded um, and, you know, been been a top 12 option pretty much every week. Um, and look, just like, like prayers up for a man like that's so awful um and getting injured the way in which he did where you just don't feel like 167 pound receiver should be at the bottom of the pile on a run play in the goal line um in terms of kind of the fancy impact going forwards i think the answer is probably that nico collins is a league winner uh, going forwards i mean he already has been he's been an absolute steal but like i think targets are probably just going to go his way when you look at the game yesterday you actually had uh noah brown with two targets didn't catch either robert woods with none um and uh nico collins had 12. Uh, they also threw the ball to Brevin Jordan the tight end a couple of times or a few times um, and Dalton Schultz should hope to be back next week. So in terms of like the the winner off the back of that, I think it's probably Schultz more than anyone else. Um, when I was looking into the target share, obviously like Noah Brown was injured for a little bit, but it doesn't seem right because Noah Brown had an absolute monster week um, a few weeks ago when kind of every single Texans piece exploded. But when you look at it on the season, Robert Woods has 57 targets and Noah Brown has 28. Like it didn't feel like it, it, it should be double for Robert Woods, even if he's been kind of a, a more stable um, piece in the team. And then in terms of like snaps, like Robert Woods is on the field nearly as much as Tank Dell and Nico Collins has been. Now, fair play, he like he's a good veteran presence. He's really good in the run game as well. He's a really good blocker. Um, but like maybe maybe Robert Woods has a little bit of relevance going forwards. He's a really versatile player, which is kind of the same thing that Tank Dell's been doing. Um, but I think the answer is probably just Nico Collins getting an, a, an unreal amount of volume. Um, is there anyone on the Texans that you're kind of interested in? I think realistically it has to be Nico, doesn't it? You know, I know you were saying that 
Robert Woods has actually been on the field a lot and caught quite a lot of targets, but he just seems to be getting these kind of non kind of low, I suppose, low importance targets, isn't he? Like you wouldn't believe that he's got 52 balls this season, would you? Because he's been kind of nowhere on the radar, whereas Noah Brown's caught half of his, but they've either been down the field or they've been for a touchdown or whatever that might be. And ultimately he's been way more fancy relevant. I think the issue is that Brown has had this injury and I don't think he's 100% now. So I think ultimately it goes down to Collins and probably Schultz. But ultimately, I think Collins is going to be the, the main benefactor, isn't he? I think here. Yeah. And then looking into some of the other injuries. So the the only one that really caught my eye was looking at the Browns, um, because I think a lot of the others we're not 100% sure on. Um, but looking into Cooper's concussion, well, Elijah Moore was actually the one yesterday, even before Amari Cooper went out. Um, he saw 12 targets um, from Joe Flacco. Um, now, he only caught four of them, um, but that was still for over 80 yards, and he was a really solid DFS play yesterday. Uh, he obviously has the connection with Joe Flacco from the Jets. He was kind of hyper-targeted when when Flacco was starting there. Um, and I, when I was f- first putting together my notes on this, I was thinking it's probably too late now to try and go and pick up Elijah Moore. Like, he was the real waiver darling last week when we found out that Flacco was going to be starting. But according to Sleepy, he's only rostered in 49% of leagues. So he absolutely could be out there. Do I think he's going to be a league winner? Probably not, because I just don't think the upside is there. But I think you can sort of pencil him in for four catches for 40 to 60 yards in every game the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're having problems with like the back end of your bench or, you know, these um, flex spots and you just need someone to get you five to ten points every week, then Elijah Moore's your guy, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and then the the last one, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later on, um, Zeke. Now, Zeke's a really strange one because the Patriots offense didn't score a single point this week. Um, fascinates me that the Chargers scored six points and one. I think that's so much fun. Um, and they look, you know, they, they just couldn't move the ball. But like in PPR leagues... Zeke was a really good play this week. Like, he caught four balls for 40 yards. He struggled on the ground, 17 carries for 52. But, like, without Ramondre and without, like, an established wide receiver core and with bad quarterbacks, whether it's Zappi again next week or whether they go back to Mac Jones or whether they give Malik Cunningham a start, like, none of them are good. I wouldn't be surprised if, again, he has a pretty stable floor as, like, a RB3 flex-type player. Um going into next week which which seems mad to say at this point for Zeke um but again according to sleeper only rostered in 46 percent of league so like absolutely could be out there it doesn't feel nice it doesn't feel like a like a good thing to do but again if if you're kind of struggling um going into next week uh say you had you know James Connor and Curtis Samuel on by um you can probably go out there and pick up Zeke and and he'll probably score you eight to 10 points. And and sometimes that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, I think sometimes you need a floor um, in in some of your teams and some of your teams where you're kind of on the edge of the playoffs, you need a ceiling. So I think if you're like comfortably in the playoffs and you just need someone to get you through the next few weeks while X player comes off IR or Y player is on a bye, then I think Zeke is a perfectly fine guy to pick up just to fill, fill a spot while you kind of figure out what else you're going to do. 
Yeah, like there's no ceiling there at all. The ceiling, the ceiling is like fourteen points, but like if you are, if you need someone to just sort of hold up the rest of your team and not shoot for the stars, then like yeah, it could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, you know, ultimately he's on the Patriots and they're doing nothing. So he isn't going to be that league winner, is he? But he is going to give you a few points. And if that's what you need to plug into a hole, then hopefully he's there on your waivers. Yeah. So, I, I, mean, do, I do I think, think I, I know we'll, we'll carry on in a second. I do think my prediction of the Patriots getting the first overall pick a couple of weeks ago could potentially be in play. I don't know. I, I can't. I just do not see the Panthers giving it up now. I think... No. We're too far down that road. I mean, obviously, it's not their pick anymore. It's for the, the Bears. But, I, I, you know, and I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to possibly win. But I just think they're so dysfunctional. I know the I know the Patriots are also extremely dysfunctional. But I think the Patriots won two games already. I just don't see yeah. the Panthers winning any more games. So I think it's possible. But I think ultimately the Pats will be the one or two. But yeah. I'm just really interested to, to see if Bill Belichick will be the guy that that makes the pick because I I really feel like this is a point now that it just feels like a logical point for them to part ways with him um, yeah. and I'm just really interested to see if they actually do it because obviously they've got a massive history with him um, and then also if they do where he gets another job and if he gets another job really intriguing, quite excited to see what's going to happen there yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is... I, I, I have said for a while that I don't think they will fire Bill Belichick because I just don't think there's a world in which that's how they want this to end. I wouldn't be surprised if him and Robert Kraft have a conversation to be like, look, I think this is it. Like, we're going to have to go into a rebuild. We're going to end up with Drake May. We have, like, no pieces on the roster it's going to be, you know, three years until we get this thing going again. Yeah, you might want to be going for that all-time wins record, but, like, man, I don't think you're going to be racking up more than five wins a season here for the next few years. So I, I think for them it would be good to kind of overhaul the whole thing and, and just get a bit more modern, really. Go out and get a more, like, an offensive-minded head coach and people who look into data and, like, really kind of turn the franchise around. Um, Belichick will get a job somewhere, Um I, I don't know. I, I don't think he'd take anything less than the head coaching job. Um, so I'd be intrigued to see where that ended up. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a franchise that's really on the ropes or one with a potential new owner, um, looking at maybe the... I wouldn't want to see it, but like the Panthers or the Commanders who have relatively new ownership, really new with the Commanders, and are looking to kind of grow the market, whether they go for like a... not just a big name head coach, but like maybe the greatest coach of all time. I think the commanders make the most sense because I, I, the thing that I find most interesting is obviously he has been, um, you know, head coach and also GM. And yeah. I can't imagine him then having to go and work with a GM. Like, I just think he would struggle to do that. At least with the commanders, I think there's a chance they clear house and could say, right, we'll let you go with it. But I would be nervous about that if I was the commanders because we've seen how that's gone over the last few years and he's he's not drafted well. And, you know, do you trust, trust him to, to kind of start doing that with your franchise? So I, I'm just really intrigued because he's had so many hats at, you know, at the Patriots. And I'm just interested to see how he kind of gets on. You know, he, he, he's got into his little rhythm for 20 odd years that he's been there. How will he cope with going somewhere else and having to beat to a different drum, you know? Yeah. 
So there's literally now only five weeks left of the regular season of NFL football. I mean, this season's gone ridiculously quickly and, you know, fantasy football season is even closer to finishing. But um, I thought it'd be interesting just to see if we could predict who might be in the playoffs for each conference. So in the NFL playoffs and, and who we think will clinch that number one seed. Shall we start with the let's start with the NFC? Um, because I think we're reasonably similar on this one, aren't we, Lewis? What are yeah. your thoughts with the NFC? I think we're, I think we've got the same picks. So for me, for the division winners, I've got the 49ers, Eagles, Lions, and Falcons. Um, the 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 Falcons, man, like they're gonna get pumped in the first round, but like someone, it's the state of the playoffs, someone's gotta um someone's gotta win the division. Um and then for the wildcard teams, um I've gone for the Cowboys, that's already locked up. Um, and then for the other two, it's be- it's between three. So it's between the Vikings, Packers and Rams. And just looking at momentum at the minute, um, I think it's the Packers and I think it's the Rams, um, which I can't work out how I feel about. Like I was saying before we started recording, the Rams currently pick at 17 just outside uh, of the playoffs. And I think that's the worst spot to be. But I can't see the Vikings winning many more games. The Rams have a few hard games, but also um, a few really easy ones. So I think we definitely are on course for at least three more wins. And I think that clinches us to seven seed. Yeah, I just, you know, the guys around Seattle, I think they're in free, free fall now, unfortunately. They oh, I forgot to, about Seattle. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be struggling, you know, at the moment. I think, even though, you know, it was a great game, wasn't it, on Thursday night? And I thought Seattle stayed in there. Really annoying. I benched Gino in one of my leagues that I needed to win. And then obviously he goes off and scores like 30-odd points. I was like, well, how would you do this to me? So I'm <laughs> mad at him at the moment because I was like, they're playing the Cowboys. He was injured last week. He was rubbish. So I was like, right, I can't go through this again. Yeah. And then obviously he goes and puts up that performance. I'm like, how very dare you? <laughs> but I do totally feel like they are in a bit of a free fall. Um, and I do think their schedule's not the easiest coming up either. So I just can't, I can't, they, I think they think that they should be in, but I just don't see them. I think they've regressed this year. I really do. Yeah. And I just don't see them as, so they've got the Niners coming up this week. They're going to lose. Then they've got um, the Eagles. They're going to lose. So that's two losses already. Uh the Titans, they could probably win. But I just think their schedule is too hard and they're not playing well enough. Um yeah. for them to get in Steelers. Um and then week eighteen is the Cardinals. Cardinals, yeah. So they could win too, but I just think those two losses are not going to be enough for them to yeah. stay in. Yeah, but yeah, I think- no, I I totally agree. Now, the one thing we were kind of discussing earlier was that we've both picked the 49ers to be the one seed, but actually they're currently one game back from the Eagles. So ultimately they need to gain a game. And I do wonder, even if they gain a game, will they still, will they, if they're both on the same, do the, are the Niners then the one seed because they've beaten the, the Eagles or... Does this home away division conference thing make it? This is where I get a bit confused. I think it comes down to um, in division. Um, So I think no. Sorry, I think if I think if they're in division, then tie breaking uh, is is head to head. Aside from that, I think it's it comes down to um, 
in division games. Although that might be wrong. It might just be as simple as um as head to head, in which case it would be the 49ers. Um if not, when it comes to in division, I think the Niners have it. But yeah, we're at the stage in the season where like I just genuinely don't know all of the different the different reasons what could potentially happen. Yeah, the, the 49ers are three and oh in division. Um actually as are the Eagles currently. So yeah. that could be an interesting one. So if it's head to head, then it's the 49ers. But um when it, when we're looking at the schedules of the two, so looking at the Eagles schedule rest of season, it's at Dallas this week, at Seattle, then at home to the Giants, at home to the Cardinals, and at the Giants to close out the season. So that's I mean the 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 Cowboys is is the hardest matchup there. Um then for the 49ers, it's Seattle at home, at the Cardinals, uh, Baltimore at home, at the Commanders, and then the Rams at home. So for both of them, kind of one more difficult matchup. The key thing to me here is 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 momentum. And I think momentum is really against the Eagles right now. Um, and I just can't see anyone stopping the 49ers. I, I can't see how you beat them right now. But that uh 49ers Ravens matchup is going to be an absolute joy to watch yeah I mean look I mean potentially this in some scenarios could be the Super Bowl right Mm -hmm. you know ultimately the Ravens are going to win the AFC North because it's everybody else is injured yeah um so you know they're going to get in the playoffs and they could certainly make it I'm really excited to see if Baltimore play Miami I think that's going to be a really interesting game um you know but ultimately this could be a Super Bowl type game and I'm just I'm really excited to see how this mainly this Baltimore defense stack up against this San Fran offense I think it's gonna be really interesting so looking forward to that one um the, the team we didn't actually mention which could still potentially win the NFC East is the Cowboys yeah. now I know they've only won or beaten teams that are less than 500. But I think they've been playing some really great football, particularly on offense. Uh, You know, they took that massive beating from the 49ers. But I think since that game, they've really kind of started to turn it around. So they do still have a shot. I think the schedule is a bit harder than the Eagles. So, you know, it's not, you know, a given. But I think there's a chance that they could still win. Yeah, well, when you're just looking at record alone, like the Cowboys are nine and three, which is the same record as the 49ers. The Lions are also nine and three. Like they are not out of the hunt just yet. I just can't really see it. I just can't live in a world where the Lions are the one seed. I can't. I can't see how that can ever happen. The Cowboys, like MVP odds, change all the time. But like, I think Dak is actually the MVP favorite at this point, and like for very good reason. He's been playing elite football recently um and the fact that they can they they can win in different ways like the the defense obviously was was on top for the majority of the season but then gave up you know 30 points against the the Seahawks on Thursday night football so and it was then you know the offense that had to pull out the bag instead so the Cowboys are a really interesting one I don't believe in them in the playoffs just because I think it's it's the character of the team that they that they fall out at that stage but like if you told me that one of any one of those three teams finished in the one seed I'd, I'd, I I could get a ball with it yeah, I mean, I do think that the Cowboys' Achilles heel is ultimately the Niners and the Eagles and just can't never quite get past them. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's always going to be their downfall. Should we quickly chat about the AFC? 
Yeah. So I think we differ a little bit here. Not much, but a little. So who are your teams that are going to go in and who's your one seed? Yeah. So division winners, I've got the Dolphins, Ravens, Chiefs and Jacks. Um, I think that kind of speaks for itself. I'd, I'd be really surprised if it's anything else at this point. The Dolphins, by the way, I'm furious about because I had an Acker, which is looking like it's likely to get seven out of eight, and I picked the Bills over the Dolphins, so that's the one which is losing me out on, on 1,500 quid. Um, then for my wildcard teams, uh, I've got the Bills, I've got the Texans, um, who actually are currently not making playoffs, which I was really surprised about, that they are actually currently sitting just outside, because it's currently the Steelers, Colts, and Browns um, are the five, six, and seven seeds. Um, but with the directions those franchises are in at the minute, I, I couldn't really go for them. Um, and then for my seven seed, I've actually gone for the Broncos. Um, they were on the biggest win streak in the NFL. Uh, they obviously just lost this week, but they are still six and six. Um, I can potentially see see them making it in just in terms of momentum um for my one seed i've gone with the dolphins the dolphins have a really um relatively easy schedule rest of season uh, they've got no to be fair they end on some quite hard games but they've got the titans and then the jets the next two weeks and then cowboys ravens bills so that'll be really interesting um when you look at the ravens their schedule again probably just as hard jags 49ers um dolphins steelers so uh, and then and then the rams this week so both quite hard um i think I, for me i just think it's the dolphins now like i i think they're probably in terms of momentum gonna keep it up and keep it going and end up in the one seed yeah i am um, i'm similar there's there's two differences i have between you so i have the same um division winners I also have Buffalo. I think Buffalo are very lucky that basically everyone above them lost this week pretty much. Yeah. And that's kept them in the hunt. I've got the Texans because I just think they're playing really great football at the moment. And then I've actually got the Browns instead of the Broncos. Now, I know that they basically don't have a quarterback and, you know, that defence has been carrying them and the defence is not playing particularly well at the moment. But I just have no confidence in the Broncos at this point. Yeah, um, I was just having a look at their both of their schedules, and the Broncos, I think, do have the slightly harder schedule to the Browns. Um, the Browns, they do have a couple of difficult games, but they also have relatively uh, cake ma matchups. Uh, Eighteen, they've got the Bengals. Well, they're, they're going to win that because <laughs> the Bengals are just a disaster. Jets going to win that. Um, they do play the Texans, which I think is going to be interesting. The Texans are probably yeah. beating them, but. I, I do think they'll just cling on, you know. I think they'll manage to scrape a few wins together and, and just cling on. I think the fact that they're in there at the moment kind of has made me more confident that they're more likely to stay in. I think if they were out, there'd be no way that they they kind of claw the, their themselves up and into the, the situation. But I think the fact that they're there, I do think that they'll stay. Pittsburgh, I think, disaster. But I've just got no, I've got no confidence that Denver's going to be able to kind of work their way up and get into the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I, well, I think it's quite interesting that neither Russell have gone for the Steelers and the Colts, who are actually the two teams that are in in the six and seven seed currently. I just can't talk myself into a Mitch Trubisky and Gardner Minshew-led team making the playoffs, <coughs> even though, like, they're in currently. I just can't see it. I just can't live in a world where those two quarterbacks are, are playoff quarterbacks. No, I mean, the Colts have been playing pretty good football, 
Um, and they've actually got the Bengals next week. They're going to win. Steelers, yeah. that's been an interesting one because these are the two kind of where you're like, uh, these are Falcons. Hmm. You know, they, they do have some reasonable matchups, Raiders. They could squeeze in, but Minshew's just good at making mistakes, isn't he? And I think ultimately that will be their, their downfall. Yeah. Now, I also have a different one seed. I actually have uh, the Ravens as the one seed now. They're the same. They have a, the same loss the same win-loss ratio um, and Miami is still in the one seed at the moment but I don't know I just think Miami maybe they've got into another gear and they're not going to let the throttle go but I do think sometimes they can trip up I just don't think Baltimore will at this point so I'm going for Baltimore as the one seed um, I just find it really interesting that Kansas City is currently the fourth seed and it makes yeah. me happy and laugh all at the same time that we're not even like talking about the Chiefs finishing in the one seed. And like, let's be honest, they probably will. They just find a way to. Um, well, they find a way to. His name is Patrick Mahomes. That's how they do it. But like, it's just fascinating to be in a position where like, are the Chiefs even that good? Are they, you know, they got stomped by the Packers last night. They are, are they even a hugely good team? They'll win the division. But like, I don't know. I'm really excited for that playoff fixture and to, and to see how that looks. Like, give me Chiefs Texans in the first round as like the the four and the five seeds and see how that happens. Yeah, I mean, I know that I should dislike the Ravens more than the Chiefs because they're in the same division as the Bengals, but I genuinely dis dislike the Chiefs way more <laughs> than the Ravens, and I would much rather the Ravens won the Super Bowl than the Chiefs. Much There's better. a fun little fun little rivalry between the Bengals and the Chiefs. Oh, we like, hate each other. Yeah, and it's just because you're like, no, we have the more talented quarterback. No, we have the more talented quarterback. And then there's everyone else sat on the side like, yeah, we know, guys. We know you've got the best quarterbacks in the NFL. What yeah. about the rest of us? I think it's because, we've, you know, the last two seasons, we jostled, didn't win the AFC Championship game. We won the first one. They won the second one. And yeah. there was the whole, you know, Burrowhead blah 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 you know i think it just has been very intense and then ultimately obviously we've not been able to to keep our side of the bargain this season but <laughs> you know there's just yeah it's just that rivalry that i can't let go of even though we're playing rubbish at the moment so it's i'm really interested to see how everything's going to play out i think it's really exciting it's one of those years where i think at the beginning of the year you think you've got it all figured out or Obviously, these teams are going to be in. This team is going to go X, Y, and Z. These are definitely going to be the one seed. And it's just gone, you know, everything's been flipped on the, on its head. Nobody, I mean, everyone thought Miami would be probably good this season, but I don't think anybody thought they'd be sat in the, you know, one seed spot at this point and things like that. And I just think it's been a really fun season because anything could happen and still anybody could or not anybody, but there's still so <laughs> many teams that could get into yeah. the bottom of the playoffs. I think it's just really exciting this season. Can can we, I know we've got a whole show to get on to, um, can we do a very, very quick two minutes of MB, MVP chat? Do it. Because I uh, have just been tweeting about this and I'm fascinated by it, that like Tyreek Hill's the MVP this year, right? And there's no chance he wins that award. He's not even close to winning that award. But like, so currently the favourite is Dak, then it's, then I think in second is now Purdy, Lamar's up there, Mahomes is up there, Hertz is up there, Tua 
has like half the odds that Tyreek Hill has, which is crazy because Tua would be nothing without Tyreek Hill. And it just makes me so cross. And I know half of the NFL fans feel the same way that the MVP award is just a quarterback award. And like, yeah, the most valuable player is always going to be a quarterback because of the nature of the position. But like, if it were just best player in the NFL, if that were how we did it, it's Tyreek Hill and it's not even close. And like his odds are so high because everyone knows that he's not going to win it and he'll win offensive player, player of the year and it'll be fine. Maybe we can do awards next week and talk through our selections for everything. But like, it just makes me so mad that I'm like, why can you, can you be on pace for not just 2000 yards, but like absolutely eclipsing 2000 yards and it doesn't even matter. And you're not even any close to winning MVP. I know, like for me, I just think they need to change the name, don't they, of the award, basically. You know, the most valuable quarterback, fine, or whatever you want to call yeah, it. But... Just call it just call it QB of the year. Yeah, but like MVP, you know, the spirit of MVP is technically it could could can and should be anybody, but you know, that's not the theory of it, which is frustrating, isn't it? And you know, it kind of feels like, you know, offensive player of the year, great, but it kind of feels like that step down yeah. from MVP and it shouldn't feel like that i think they just need to kind of um you know level the playing field for all of these um awards really rather than saying well you are the best person in the whole league when it's not necessarily true yeah or like and just just be honest and just call it quarterback of the year yeah and then and then you can have offensive or or, or you can even just be you can just say non-quarterback of the year like it's fine you and to be fair if you're being even more honest call it skill position of the year because like and you know, a, an O-lineman so is never going to win it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're never going to get... You can have a dominant season from Trent Williams and it's never going to happen. So just call it quarterback of the year, skill position player of the year, and leave it at that. I know. I know. It doesn't seem fair, does it? It no. doesn't at all. But again, real, another fascinating uh, award. Really interested to see where it's going to go. I think if Dak keeps this up, he's going to win it. I think so. Ultimately, because... Like Purdy, great, but he is just, you know, he just distributes the ball, I personally think. You know, he's he's adding more than a Garoppolo, but he isn't carrying that offence like we discussed earlier. Um, You know, ultimately, he's there to give the ball to the people that are going to make the plays, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you look at, like, Purdy versus Tyreek, and, and the odds currently, it's like Purdy was, like, three to one or something like that and Tyreek was like 17 to one so like you're telling me that like Brock Purdy is like three or four times more likely to win this award and they are like the antithesis of each other man that like Tyreek Hill can take anything and do unbelievable things with it he's electric with a ball in his hands Purdy is the guy giving it to the players who can then, you know, take it 70 yards down the field like I just can't see how you can justify like Purdy being more valuable than Tyreek Hill? No. No, I know, but they do, don't they? And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just going to have to make peace with it, Lewis, that it's going to be a quarterback from, from now on. I think this is the yeah. closest we're ever going to get to a skill position player ever getting yeah. it, and it's still not going to happen. Yeah, unfortunately so. So shall we get back on to talking some fantasy? <laughs> People might be fed up of us chatting NFL, although hopefully (laughs) you might have their own ideas and they can uh, chat to us too. So 
as usual, we're going to do rewind the tape and we're going to discuss the things that we've learned from this week that should help us as fantasy managers as we get kind of deeper into the season and to the final throws and getting towards the playoffs. So, Lewis, what, what kind of have you learned from this week that's going to help you moving forward? I This is something we've spoken about a lot, um, about sort of stashing backup running backs. And to me, it's like, just don't drop them. Just never, never drop them because they are only ever one injury away from being incredibly valuable. Um, so I've brought up three here, which is Ty J Spears, who obviously had a decent enough game taking over the role from Henry when he went out, even though Henry is now going to be back. Chawa Harbard, who was really fantastic this week. Um, and, you know, it, it's not a case for him of like that he was the backup and now someone's got injured and, and now he's going to, you know, take over. It's just the case that like, he is now the the lead back um and 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 looks good money for it as well Chaba Harbour was the the running back five on the week you know 25 carries for 104 yards and two touchdowns uh, and then Zeke who we spoke about earlier that like Romandro goes down and Zeke finishes pretty high um and I just think it's a case that like they are just going to explode the moment that um the, the lead back goes down. So, you know, if you have Elijah Mitchell and you've been thinking he's just, he's just done nothing, like if you've got space, just keep him. Like, because you just can't be sure one injury and suddenly these are the most valuable players in the league. Yeah, I think that's the difficulty, isn't it? Sometimes people will drop, um, you know, these backup running backs because they're doing nothing for someone like, uh, you know, let's use Elijah Moore as an example. And you're going to put put Elijah on your bench and probably never even play him or maybe play him once when you've got, um, you know, buys. And then you've dropped Tajay Spears because he wasn't doing anything for you. And then all of a sudden Derrick Henry gets injured. And now you're like, oh, like the upside of Spears is always going to be higher than any kind of random wide receiver that you're going to pick up off waivers this deep into the season. Yeah. So I think ultimately... People kind of forget that and they're like, oh, they're not doing anything for me. I don't want them. Um, this is something that actually uh, Murph has said a lot, you know, really from when I very first started. And it's something that always kind of has kept with me that, you know, as you kind of get from halfway through the season, really, you know, aside from players to kind of get you through buys, the rest of your bench should really be these backup running backs. Yeah. Because ultimately they're one injury away from becoming a league winner for you. You know, and if you happen to have the right backups on your bench, you're laughing all the way to a championship, you know. And I think people forget to do that. Yeah. Um, and then they end up having not enough fab to get the guy or they spend all their fab on the guy and then, the, you know, the original guy's back next week or whatever that might be, you know. And ultimately, I think if you were ahead of the game, you added them for free, you know, when nobody was looking at them or for $1 or whatever, you know, yeah. you're laughing all the way to winning well some of the absolute league winners this year are players that you would have picked up really cheap earlier um, and and just looking the runabout position like achan kyron chubba zach moss like even i mean even looking at like someone like jerome ford now most uh like it it's players that you either were the backup or like was kind of unclear backfields that you can go well i'll take the the cheaper option or I'll take a, a later round option if I'm not sure and then they're going to propel me to a title like Kyron Williams was undrafted and after week one you could have picked him up off waivers and he is has been absolutely elite down the stretch it's really interesting is that I always find it interesting because I think people are really scared 
to, you know, not draft a running back early because historically that's been the mindset, you know, you must draft a running back early because this cliff comes. But more and more and more, you know, recently the what they call the zero RB strategy is working for people. Like it's tough. It's so tough at the beginning of the season. I didn't do it a lot. Historically, I've always drafted running backs high. But this year, with a couple of my leagues, I have, you know, decided, right, well, I'm just going to pick up some of these wide receivers and see what I get at running back. And it was terrible. The first few weeks, I was like, this is a disaster. I'm getting like one point from a running back, you know, room. But it comes to this point of the season, and, you you know, they're basically winning you know, you, your weeks because the guy in front of them went down or, you know, they've actually got going or whatever that might be. And I think people are very short-sighted in drafts. They're like, right, who's going to help me win weeks one to four? You know, and then they draft like that. And then, you know, actually it's it's a really long season. It really is. And I think, you you know, you've got to, sometimes you have to be patient and people aren't very good at, at doing that. Yeah. And you've got to strategize as well that like if you draft in the way that you drafted that you're like, right, I'm going to target early wide receivers and I'm going to go, you know, I'm drafting for the back of the first round. I'm going to go CD Lamb and Amor St. Brown and I'm going to wait <laughs> on running backs. Well, if you've gone that way, then you have to when some of those backfields are starting to look a bit more uncertain, whether it's before the season starts or whether it's after week one, you have got to be super aggressive on waivers to go and get that guy that like if week one goes past and you think Curran Williams is sharing this backfield at the least, go and spend fab on him. Like you have to go out and pick up those players. But it's just a case of then like, okay, this is how my draft's gone how do I then need to look at, like, what's my path to winning this season? And if you've drafted early wide receivers and you've not got any, like, three down backs, you've got to be taking the punt on, like, Jalen Warren and Karen Williams and Mostert to be like, well, okay, for me to win, I need to hit on a bunch of late round backs. So I've got to be really aggressive in getting those players. I mean, Mostert's a fantastic late round back, wasn't he? You know, I think I picked him up basically in the last round of loads of leagues. And he's, you know, everywhere. Been, he's been a running back one for me, for, like for the whole season. Like it's been amazing. Um, and I just think if you're going to go down that strategy where you wait on running backs, then more of your bench needs to be running backs. And it yeah. needs to be these, like, you know, um, murky backfield guys, guys that are definite kind of handcuffs that, you know, are going to get a really good role if the guy behind them you know um goes down you know and ultimately you've just got to balance your bench a bit differently i think and i think people kind of struggle to realize that um and then that's where they kind of run into trouble because they don't draft a running back and then they're not quick enough on waivers to pick them up or they don't get fill their bench enough and then they end up with nothing at running back and then you get into trouble because ultimately you do have to start at a minimum two every week i mean the running back position this season has been really just terrible like absolute drab awfulness um but you know still you need two of them to do something so that that's really interesting and it kind of um my, my point kind of i guess runs on from that and that's you can still squeeze a little bit of life on your waiver wire even when you're in week 13 so don't rest on your laurels so like you said lewis if there's any of those guys sitting on your waiver so I just had a quick look at one of my leagues is a 12 team like short bench league 
So often there's more of these guys available. But I just I thought I'm going to have a look and see who's available on waivers this week. So we've got Zeke. So again, yes, he's probably not going to be a league winner, but he's going to be he's going to be a decent guy to put in a running back spot if you need someone to fill in. Kenneth Gainwell. Now, uh, DeAndre Swift went off with an injury. We don't know what it is. It might be mine. He might not do anything. But Kenny is starting to be a bit more involved in the backfield again. And if Swift does ultimately miss with injury, I think Kenneth Gainwell could potentially you know, be a high-end running back for you. Damian Pierce, he took over running back one role again this week. So someone had dropped him. If he continues with that running back one role in this offense, he could certainly be putting up some good points. And the other guy was Brevin Jordan. Now Schultz might be back next week. But, you know, ultimately, again, the time position, bit of a, sh- a crapshoot kind of at the low end, tight end one range. So he's an easy guy that you could pick up that would fill and probably put you up some tight end one, you know, low tight end one points for you just off the waiver wire. So there's still guys that you can pick up. So I would always just say don't abandon the waiver wire at this point. You think, oh, my, my team's set. I'm ready to go. I've got all these studs. What if all your studs get injured next week? Someone else has picked everyone else up on waivers. You're stuck. Yeah. I think it's just a big learning point of like, you just because we're going into week 14 doesn't mean you don't have to be playing waivers anymore. Like, there are still valuable pieces out there. There are still pieces that you can potentially pick up and start. And like, I had it last season that I, uh, not last season, season before, I won a championship in my home league. And when I looked at the team that I won the championship with, it was when, I can't remember the name of the running back. Um, uh, his name's get my head, but like it was, it was Eckler got injured and there was a backup running back on the Chargers who went off like 30 points in championship week. I had Antonio Brown when he was on the Bucks. Like I had drafted two of the players that were on my championship winning team and not just that i'd picked like two or three of them up on waivers that week like you can win championships with players if you're still playing matchups so like just keep it going until the last minute yeah 100 i actually saw on um x this week jj zacharyson saying that he has official team you know everybody's injured and he'd picked up a load of you know randomers off the wave wire and they'd given him enough points to keep him into the next round like He managed to cobble together his team enough from waiver ads, you know, streaming matchups that he managed to get into the next round of the playoffs. So you can do it. You really can. It's it's about shooting for the upside, isn't it? Like we said said previously, you know, look for these upside guys that have got good uh, matchups because if they hit, then they're going to really hit and they're going to help you get through. Yeah. So, fantasy stud of the week. Now, obviously, this is where we look at the under the way of under the radar player who could overperform and exceed expectations. So, according to Paul, apparently last week I went for K. Dotton, and of course, because K. Dotton got mentioned and my name got mentioned, he scored a big fat zero, didn't he? <laughs> uh, next week, when we don't mention him, he's going to go off and be like timed one on the week. But anyway, is he not? Is he not your stud of the week again this week then? <laughs> Well, I've given up on him now. <laughs> Every time I mention his name, he d- he's not a stud. So that's it. Me and Kay Dotton are not friends anymore. Now, Lewis, I, I reckon you knew something here, Lewis, on the great band. You went for Zeke this week. And it's like you knew that Ramondre was going to go out basically at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, 17 carries, 52 yards and four receptions for 40 yards. So, like, genuinely, did Ben anything? And he finished as a running back 13. This is the running back landscape for you this season. You don't. Have, all you have to do is touch a ball a couple of times, and you're running back thirteen. 
Um, Paul went for Adam Thielen. Unfortunately, he didn't have the bounce back week that Paul had hoped for. He had three receptions for 25 yards and finished as the wide receiver at 45. So, Lewis, you are winner of Stud of the Week for Week 13. Congratulations. So, okay. come on now. You're going to need to try and keep up that streak. Who are you going for this week? I want to mention, um, I want to mention two, um, but one's a very, very brief one. Um, which is so not not the player that I'm actually going for, um, but just someone that I wanted to bring up um, is Jalen Tolbert, um, who uh, obviously the Cowboys' potential wide receiver three. It seems like uh, behind, um, uh, obviously Schultz. Um, sorry, Schultz, crazy behind Lamb. Um, and uh, Brandon Cooks. They are playing the the Eagles this week, and I'd be really interested. He's going to be super available, and I can just see him catching a touchdown. Um, he's had a decent uh, snap percentage. Um, but my actual uh, stud of the week, I just thought I'd throw in a second one without Paul. Um, I've gone for Christian Kirk uh, playing against the Browns. Um, he's had a really up and down season. He's wide receiver 30, um, but he's the target leader uh, on the Jags with 86. Um, obviously, Calvin Ridley has kind of shown out the last couple of weeks. We'll see how he does tonight. Um, but Calvin Ridley was has been a top 10 wide receiver the last couple of weeks. And Christian Kirk kind of has quite a stable floor, but I'm not sure the upside has quite been there. Um, he tends to play out of the slot a lot, especially now with, say, Jones back. Um and against the Browns, we've obviously mentioned how good the um, how good the the D line is. Um, and when I was watching yesterday with the Rams playing the Browns, you just have to pass against them. Like they set up to try and funnel you to pass um, because they you just can't run on them in the same way. Like their D line is so good that, that they want you to pass. Um, and it means that you almost have to pass as a bit of an extension of the running game. And so having Christian Kirk running on more routes underneath uh, and towards the middle of the field out of the slot, I think he could potentially be on course for a big game. Um, I can just see it. And, and I think it's going to be a really interesting game. So I think he could have a lot of that kind of middle of the field work um, where if they can't really run in the way they want to. Yeah, it's interesting. Isn't it? I find they're similar to the, or were similar to the Texans wide receivers, where one guy will have a good week, one guy will have a bad week, you know. And I think originally it was kind of more matchup type based, and then now the last couple of weeks, Ridley seems to have kind of really hit his stride, and that's taken a little bit away from Kirk. But we know that they're both really good wide receivers, and ultimately, you know, they can and should get, you know, both of them can be fantasy relevant. So yeah. interesting to see if, if Kirk can kind of find his way back into a bit more fancy relevance over the last kind of portion of the season. So Paul did send his uh, studs and scares in. I really wanted to be mean and just randomly pick a random player like he did to me last week. But I'm too kind, Paul. Just remember that. So Paul has said Cortland Sutton this week. He thinks he's going to be a, a stud this week. Um, the guy that I've gone for this week is, is Jaden Reed. I do think he's quietly having quite a nice rookie season. You know, I think at the start of the season, we thought he probably wasn't going to play much at all. But he is currently the wide receiver 36 on the season. Now, I know that's not, you know, a fantastic season, but I think that's probably more than we kind of envisaged him kind of yeah. doing and getting. He was a bit quiet this week, but I do think there's a chance, you know, with this next week coming on that he's going to be busier. Obviously, we know that Watson re-aggravated his hamstring. I think I'd be very surprised if he plays this next week. 
And Jordan Love is just really hitting his stride at this point. You know, the last few games really seem to be putting everything in place and looks like he could be quite competent starting NFL quarterback. And then, of course, this week they, they play the Giants, who give up the fifth most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. So I do think Reed could have quite a nice week this week. So I'm going to go for Jaden Reed. I like it. It's a player that I actually have a lot of, and uh, my Scott Fishbowl team could really do with Jaden Reed having a big week if I even make week three of playoffs. Yeah, I've got a terrible. Um, I've just lost to Carr, and now Howell's on a bye, and then I had uh, Joe Burrow. So ultimately, I potentially have no quarterbacks going into week seven, week fourteen. So I think I should be safe going into week fourteen. But I think after that, that might be the end of my my run, unfortunately. Shall we look at our fantasy scares of the week? So, again, this is a guy that's usually hyped up or, you know, is what we consider a stud who couldn't underperform and upset us in our fantasy teams. So, last week, you went with Nico Collins. He did awesome with your scares, but we didn't go well. No, the scares didn't go quite so well. And I think, you know, you weren't to know that, unfortunately, Tank Dell would get injured. Um, So, Nico ended up being the wide receiver one on the week. My Um, scare and stud. My 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 stud was right because of an injury, and my scare was wrong because of an injury. Absolutely. So process. You know, it's all about process, isn't it, Lou? <laughs> I know. I know. Um, Paul went with Kyra, which I think actually did pretty well because he ended up being quarterback sixteen on the week, so he wasn't even quarterback one. Which usually that's you know you expect Kyler to be in the top ten, really at, at yeah. least. So I think Paul did pretty well there. Um, apparently, according to uh, Paul, I went with CD. Um, but of course I didn't, so I'm just going to ignore that and, and carry on. So go on then, Lewis. Who is your scare for week 14? Well, I was really tempted to go with when I was looking through matchups and I saw it's Texans against the Jets, and I was like, oh, Nico Collins against uh, Source Gardner. And then I was like, no, don't do it again. Um, the one I'm going with is Chris Olave against the Panthers. Um, Chris Olave is, is is quietly having a decent season. He's wide receiver 16. He's been he's gone over 100 yards the last two weeks. Um, so obviously, like with Jameis probably playing with Derek Carr injured, it could just take one massive touchdown and that's it. The Panthers are like sneakily really good against the quarterback position. Um, and it's not because they're a good defense. It's because you can run all over them. So you just don't have to throw. So it just wouldn't surprise me if this is a game for Alvin Kamara and like maybe Jamal Williams as well. And the Saints go out ahead early um, and then Alave doesn't have a fantastic week. Do you know what? These are both guys that I was thinking about uh, putting in. So uh, yeah, certainly ones that I think could quite easily be scares of the week. Paul said Karen Williams. So interesting to see how that goes. Mine this week is Keenan Allen. Look, the Chargers have been really flatlining of late and they, they, you know, they just don't seem to be able to get anything going, which is really, really interesting. Again, longer discussion to have another time. But obviously they have the offensive coordinator come over from Dallas. He's been known to, you know, kind of have this really quiet energetic offense and it just doesn't seem they don't seem to be able to put anything together so i i think it's a clean clean house at the end of, of this season get everyone out and start again this week the play the broncos broncos d is much improved and i think they're going to look to take allen away and just dare the charges to to beat them with anybody else and unfortunately nobody else seems to be able to do anything which is really upsetting for uh my austin eckler shares but <laughs> okay, what can you do? Uh, wild card of the week. Uh, 
our hot takes that are going to happen this week now. Last week, Paul said the Panthers would get the win. I mean, come on, Paul, now. We know how terrible the Panthers are. I don't know why he keeps going back to the Panthers well, but uh, that he was incorrect. Lewis, you said that the San Fran Philly game would disappoint and hit the order of 46.5 points. Well, that the 49ers actually nearly hit that on their own. So, unfortunately, you were also incorrect. So, let's see if we can do any better this week. What have you got? Um, I was looking into players that I think could overperform this week, and I was stunned to see, because it doesn't feel like it, that DJ Moore is the wide receiver nine on the year. Um, I have said that he's going to be a top five wide receiver this week against the Lions. Um, he went for 22.6 PPR points against them in week 11, obviously in that really close loss. Um, and I can I can just really see him kind of pulling it out of the bag again this week. Like I say, like it doesn't feel like he is wide receiver nine. So maybe it's not as wildcardy as I want it to be. But yeah, that's what I can see happening this week. Yeah, I mean, he can be a bit up and down, can't he? So, you know... Uh, it, it's still a, a good pick. Now, Paul is saying that uh, the Steelers and Panthers Thursday night football is going to be so bad that they're going to have no more than two offensive touchdowns in the whole game. I think, it's, I think it's Steelers Patriots, not Steelers Panthers. Oh, is it? Oh, maybe he put Patriots and I put Panthers. Well, Steelers <laughs> Patriots, well, that definitely is not going to have any more than two offensive touchdowns. Yeah, even worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, even worse. Um, and my wild card this week is that the Rams are going to beat the Ravens. I think, nope. it, I think, I think it could happen. It could. I mean, the whole point of the wild card is it's unlikely, but could. So I'm going to go with it. As I say, it's probably not going to happen, but it's, a, it's fun when these kind of random ones hit, isn't it? So I'm going. I'll be forward. happy. I'll be happy if it does, but I can't see it. <laughs> No, I know the Ravens are coming off a bye as well, aren't they? But you never know. You never know. So thank you very much, Lewis. But this brings us to the end of the show. Um, to everyone who's hung in with us for the whole hour, despite us chatting all sorts of different NFL-related things, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on X at Wildcard Rewind. And obviously, we've got our YouTube channel where you can search for the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast Network and you can find all of our different uh, podcasts on there, not just... Um, the rewind show so thank you very much and thank you lewis and of course we'll be back next week to rewind week 14